It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody, to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus's Musicians Mastermind. Uh, today we're going to talk about email, and um, it is uh, as Carrie and I were talking before we started the call. Email is cons- is one of those things that's like still there. <laughs> it hasn't gone the way, really gone the way of MySpace. We still get stuff in email. Um, I use it all the time in my business, constantly. So we're going to talk about kind of like what to do with email um, and why it's important and mistakes to avoid and uh and the sort of like the fact that it is still relevant we we have carrie uh jk with us and yeah. i believe joe freeman is joining us right now right here on joe cue freeman. yeah right on <laughs> cue joe you must you must be psychic buddy we were st- we were st- we just started um but uh um, like coming out of court there <laughs> 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 judge freeman presiding <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear opening arguments now yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, so we we decided to get into this uh, talk about email because, um, you know, as Carrie and I were talking before we started the the recording, that email is still there. It's like the, it, it's still there. It hasn't gone. It hasn't gone away. Um, and the technology has not changed one bit since in the last fifteen years that I'm aware of. Right. I mean, I mean, some of the autoresponder um, CRMs have gotten more sophisticated and allow you to do mm. more sophisticated things with the tagging and the routing and who gets what email, etc. But basically, you turn on your computer and you look at your Gmail or you look at your Yahoo Mail or your uh, what you know, whatever, whatever you like. Is anybody still using AOL or Hotmail? I don't know. Um, you know, whatever your thing is, you just you go and look at it. And we and we do it like, for instance, I get um, um, I get emails from my doctors about different stuff, and I look for those things. I want to know, like, you know, do I need to what I need to do for this appointment or that appointment? They'll email me uh, what I need to take to go get blood work. So it's it's still there. It, you know, and it, I'm, we're using it every day in my uh, brick and mortar business. Mm-hmm. Uh, use it, co- you know, constantly. We're, we're, we're emailing uh, orders to different vendors all day long. Uh, insurance companies are uh, sending us estimates. We're sending things back. I mean, it's it's going all day. We're emailing customers. So email is far from gone. It really, I mean, it really hasn't gone like the MySpace uh way at all it's 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 still there so what i wanted to kind of get to is you know how do we in you know in the second decade now the third decade no we're the second so we're in the third decade are we going to the third decade now yeah we are we're heading into the i mean see you know how bad how you know how mixed up i am we're heading into the third decade of the 21st century and so in what does email look like today in 2020 what what can we do with it? How should we be thinking about it? So I am open for total suggestions on it because, you know, I'm one of these people, even though I'm in marketing and I know email is important, I get all excited about email and I'll send emails for a little while. And then I, you know, it's like I fall off the wagon. <laughs> hmm. 
I backslide, you know. So uh, Joe uh, Freeman uh, is with us. He's a, uh, uh, you know, hardcore into the marketing thing. That's his business. And so I'm really interested to get, so why don't we start with you, Joe? Why don't you give us some sort of just like off the top of your head ideas or not so off the top of your head ideas about about email uh, in, the, in the 21st century? So one of the things you got to do is definitely make sure that you're, like necessary emails are in place. So if they're going through a funnel and there's a delivery email or, a, you know, a left the cart email or emails that you can find the templates for and that, you know, you got to do based on an action that the client takes, you got to make sure those are in place first. And then you do your follow-up emails and your follow-up emails are trying to get them to take a further action, but it's not just like, Hey, buy my next thing. Hey, buy my next thing. Hey, buy my next thing. You've got to set up a, um, you know, Russell Brunson calls it calls it a Seinfeld um, sequence, and it's pretty much you know storytelling mixed with a little bit of selling, mixed with some authority um, emails, just a mixture of stuff to get people to care about what you're writing in your emails. You really want them to be interested in what you're sending out. So that when they, when you have an email that comes over, they're actually looking for your emails. The worst thing you can do is be completely boring and mm-hmm. all salesy. Like, you know, you've got to get good at storytelling. You've got to get good at telling um, kind of like, I guess it depends on the product. So you want to tell your story and tell as long as it's relevant to the product and um, tell the story of the product itself. You know what I mean? And then what I like to do, once you get all that in place and you're like, okay, well, I don't know what else to, I don't know what for my broadcast, which is my one-off emails or to take my sequence to a further step. I don't know what else to send out. What I like to do is get heavily involved in the niche um, that I'm in. So a lot of times you'll hear marketing people talk about the, um, the red ocean versus the blue ocean and anymore there's really not a blue ocean um everything comes from the red ocean you're just trying to figure out where you fit whoa lingo what do you <laughs> yeah. mean i so what, let me lost explain the red that. ocean blue, blue ocean. <laughs> let no me, clue let me explain about. that so the red ocean is a niche um, where your product resides where people have already heard all the sales messages that they can hear and they've, they're already accustomed to a certain message with that product. So it's like having a bunch of sharks um, who already have heard the message and everybody's trying to get their message out, but the, but it's really polluted, okay? And the blue ocean is where you're trying to get where you can stick out to your client, where you're the one that they, they hear above everyone else. Okay, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite a, quite a gri- grisly analogy, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, it's I'm, very bizarre because I don't really understand how blue and red kind of like factor into it. But okay, but anyway, well, I, mean, so I, like <laughs> I don't want to get hung I up on that will, terminology. But... But it's just like whoa. <laughs> so, um, so all right, so we've got um, all our emails are going into this ocean that's full of chum, and all the sharks are coming and eating the chum. Yeah, and we want to get away from the chum. You're fighting for people's attention between yeah. email, Facebook, and everything else. You're just fighting for people's attention. And the best way to do that is to tell a story that they care about or, or and 
getting um get a connection with them that's emotional and and supportive they want to hear what you're saying now some of the ways i found to do that um you know there's a lot of steps but i'm not going to take you through all of them but one of the ways i found to do that once you run out of things to say <laughs> is to monitor the red ocean monitor your competition set up an email have that email apply to everyone else's email lists watch what changes they're making on their website and as they send out messages okay as they send out emails or you know in this case we're talking about emails so emails um you see what they're saying and then you modify that to be unique to be to to be more centered around your message, what makes you special. Cool. Um, and then, yeah. So that's the. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking notes. If, you, if I'm yeah, not yeah, talking, so that's, so I'm um, taking notes. Because I want So I dropped a lot on you guys. Why don't you yeah. pick and pull from that and ask yeah, me any let's, questions? Let's do that. And that's the first time I've heard that whole red ocean, blue ocean thing. And it's uh, it's an interesting way of putting it. Um, did. Do you know who coined that or when? Duh. I know people who are constantly saying it, but they they actually refer back to someone else who coined it a long time ago. So I don't yeah. really know who that is. Well, I think Car- it's just one of those things that's just like swung by me. At some well, point. well, Carrie, you really when you when you clarified it, I understood what you meant. The idea yeah. of chum sharks, you're throwing all, yeah. you know, it's like and the uh, ocean's now flood, you know, we're the, the market's flooded with all these people trying to grab for attention. And, the, you know, it's, you know, and the sharks are out there. The blue ocean's like kind of like untapped market. You know, how do you mm-hmm. get you want to get your message through so where it's clear people know what you're saying. They're interested as opposed to mm-hmm. kind of just getting mixed up in all the chum. I'm making air quotes um, mm-hmm. that, that's already out there. Got once and once so, and now I get it. Now it makes sense. I got yeah, it. Yeah. So so with that in mind, I'm sort of kind of looking at my inbox now and thinking what goes where. And I've got this kind of daily routine now. Whenever I look at my um, email box, and there's so many things that come through to me, and a lot of them are regular. And there's a lot of stuff that I probably could have signed off the email list, but doing that is like more effort than is worth my time at a particular point, so I stay on it. And what I end up doing instead is I just go down and go delete, 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 keep, 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 keep aside to read later, actually read. So there's probably like three categories there that I go through. There's ones that I just delete on site, not because of, sometimes it's because it's vindictive, but mostly it's just because it's, uh, I just can't be doing reading it. I know what it's going to be. There's some that I will just keep aside in case I need it later. I'll just mark them as read, even though I haven't read it. And then there's the ones that I actually do read. And we actually do, and those will be the ones that are actual discussions, or some extra content, like some like some of the stuff that comes through from Patreon from people that I as a part on Patreon will send extra content, and I will look up at that because it's stuff I look for. Um, so I suppose the Red Ocean, especially, is those ones that I just hit on delete on straight away. And by the way, the other thing that I'll do, if I've left it a long time and I see um, I've got something like. Um, a thousand email uh, message on red messages in my inbox, which is like, which has been a nightmare scenario for a long time. Yeah. At least now the way that um, email clients work, and I said before that email hasn't changed in 50 years, 15 years, but some of the clients are getting better now at grouping them into um, threads. So now I can go through that and just tick the threads and um, do exactly the same thing. And as long as I market all is on red, it's not quite so frightening. 
So I guess what we're left with then is, um, I suppose your red ocean then are the ones I just delete on site. The blue oceans are the ones I really look forward to. What are the ones in between so, that have... Um... I think the red ocean, blue ocean is mostly talking about your your market and your competition. What are they saying that your client is used to hearing? It's it's old news. They're, they're continuously saying it. They're, you know, your competition is sending out all these messages and providing all these services and so forth yeah. that your client has already heard. And so that's why I'm get, I, will, I, will, I will give you say an, the same thing. I will give you an example. I will give you an example. If I get one more email from a band who's releasing a new album or new song and they're telling me about how their new album is addresses all the issues with COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter and protests and blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. All right. It's just like I've got I mean, got tons and tons. It's, it's all. So that has become the Red Ocean. <laughs> I would like to hear somebody send me an email and say, hey, we wrote a new album. It's all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Something else. Please, yeah, one time anything. That was the right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, there's an example the of like... What is old will be new again. Right, I mean, so like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and I understand we all jump, We get, there's bandwagons, and right now it's like there's all kind of issues, and people like, you know, seem, seem like they want to talk about it or whatever, but, you know, there's a time... That, but. You gotta. I, maybe I'm wrong about this, and you guys can correct me. If, what do you think? But it seems to me with the internet, subjects kind of like have a much smaller, shorter shelf life than they used to. You know, so like people get burnt out on stuff like very, very quickly, especially if something catches on. And then every like, you know, those marketing Joe, you'll be familiar with this. And I'm sure, Carrie, you've seen them too. the marketing pages with the red headline. It's white background, red headline, like the offer, maybe a cool picture, like a little bio at the bottom, those type of sales pages. And like, yes, they were very, very effective. But the, I mean, I think if I see another one of those, I'm going to throw up. I mean, and I think and I'm not the only one. I fan people are getting bombarded with that same kind of thing sometimes just changing it up enough to go like even if you have a similar message find some way to kind of make and this goes back to what joe said about you know watch your competition is doing but make it kind of more relevant and make it your own make it more right. personal so i mean I, I so so just be we have to this is why i think it's really important what you said about watching other people because Everybody jumps on a bandwagon. You know, it's the John. Did you take John Ojaka's course, uh, Carrie? That's um, it. I that, know of his work. Yeah, well, you saw the Lou Lombardi, uh, music.com uh, squeeze page. That's that. Yeah. That's that. It's the red headline with the, uh, uh, you know, white background with a couple of testimonials and a get my free, you know, and that's just like, God, like over and over and over and over so i think that it's time i think that like we have to kind of be uh, cognizant of the idea that if you're seeing that a lot probably everybody else in your niche is seeing that a lot so you might there's a there's an idea that you might want to switch it up a little bit so yeah, from what you just said one thing really comes to mind okay it's not how how many emails you put out or the exact design of your landing page those things matter. I'm not saying they don't because you got to look professional. It's got to be, you know, clearly navigated by your audience. Um, and it's got to be similar to what your audience likes to see. However, that's not the main goal here. The main goal here 
is to tell a story and get someone interested so they and keep them interested so that you can sell an offer that they haven't quite seen yet so that they'll buy. Okay. Something they care what if about. you suck at telling stories and you don't know what story to tell? This is what I want to get to. Uh, I suck at telling stories. I don't know what to say. Every, my life is boring. Everything sucks. I don't know what to talk about. I've been stuck in a house for three freaking months. I don't know what to say. I'm not doing anything. I don't have any gigs to talk about. Uh, whatever. Okay. So how do I make send something to somebody that's even remotely freaking interesting. I had a hard time with this when we didn't have all this, uh, uh, you know, pandemic thing going on. So help me out here. Throw me a bone. I can throw something in here. Thank you. Um, And it's actually sort of what was sort of like him queuing up anyway. But let's look at this red ocean. And you've said the problem with the red ocean is everybody's doing the same fucking thing. And it's getting old. And um, this goes back to something very basic. And um, the example I'll give here is um, Shigeru uh, Miyamoto, um, legendary, uh, video game designer. He's the guy that created Mario, Legend of Zelda. He's like a legend in video games. And there was an interview that I remember he gave to a video um, game magazine in the 90s that I was reading. And they asked him, what is it that Nintendo are doing that your competitors aren't? Why are you so successful? And he said, what our competitors do is they'll put things in their games because we were successful with them, but they don't think about why we chose that. And um, so that, that feature is only in there, but they never thought about why we put that feature in the first place. And then one of the companies that were successful in competing with them is saying, this is a separate interview, was then they, um, I don't know what the guy's name was, but it was the guy that created Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. And they're saying that um, when they set out to create Sonic the Hedgehog, they knew they were up against Mario. So they just um, sat at a table and they brainstormed all the way they could make Sonic what Mario wasn't. And they said, um, well, first of all, Mario is a human, so Sonic's going to be an animal. Um, Mario's fun, but he moves very slowly. He just like runs around upright around the screen. So that means our one needs to be fast. And from little points of view like that, always by looking for the things that, uh, basically looking for the things that your competitors don't have, or they don't, and this is obviously going to be your unique selling point. That is where you're going to find your story, is in the cracks of what someone else is already telling. So I like that analogy because what you're really saying is, okay, if Mario and um, Zelda are the Red Ocean, they're what's already out there, they're what your audience is used to seeing. And you're not going to beat Nintendo. And you're already monitoring them, like I said, you know, get Mm -hmm. on their email list, so forth and so on. And then you're saying, well, what we're going to do is going to be unique how? What's our unique selling point? And then from there... You said, you know, well, we're going to make him an animal. We're going to make him fast. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So it's not just copying, like, you know, hacking someone else's marketing. It's you don't just copy what they're doing. You're just making yourself aware and feeding yourself um, input, right? We need input, but we can't just take the input like a computer and spit it back out. We're humans. So we need to take that input, massage it mix it with our story, what we stand about, who we are, what a product is about, how that product helps people that is unique, and then spit out something unique that's creative from ourselves that other people are going to want to consume. Does I that want, make sense? I, yes, and I want to reemphasize something Carrie said that like really kind of like 
is insanely important. Ask yourself why that works. If you can answer that question, then you can keep the i the the thing that is you know the fans are going to respond to, and then go ahead and make it your own instead of just copying, right, Carrie? Yeah, you know, I mean, I love what you how you started. Why they never think about why something works or why they did something. It's so just if you copy can, it. Like yeah, so don't just change. copy because if you don't understand why that particular thing works. Then that's all you're doing. Then you're going to come off as a is a is some kind of knockoff. We've seen this before. Yawn. You might get a couple of people, but yawn. It's not really going to be a thing. But if you can understand why that works and why it's so effective and what's important about what fans are really responding to, then you can go like then you can plug anything into that and and and, and answer that why for your fa- for your fans um, and do it in a unique way. So there is no real copying. You are just responding to like because I think all the niches have like basic there's basic needs that people are looking to have fulfilled. They're looking to have a certain general kind of feeling. Um, that book that I don't know if you had a chance to, you guys, either one of you guys had a chance to read that book by David Hooper, but one of the absolute giant things in that book is the feeling. So we want to find that feeling and communicate that feeling. We're just going to do it in our own way. We're not going to do, I'm not going to communicate the feeling in the way that Leah does. I'm going to communicate the feeling in my own way. And my feeling is going to be a little bit different than hers. It's going to have, it can be nuanced. It's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. It's going to be something a little bit different. That's okay. But looking at, like examining what somebody who's really successful at it is doing and then going, okay, that is really the crux of it. So if you can find a way to constantly be giving them that feeling, that's why people listen to music, that's why they read novels, that's why they go to movies, that's why they like art. (laughs) They want to have a feeling. Because everything else in life is work and stress and problems, and they want to go and have some kind of feeling that resonates with them that kind of either makes all that better or kind of rings the bell and makes them feel like they're not alone or whatever, whatever, however you do. We talked about this on a previous thing. So finding that and to be able to communicate, put that into your story. Even if even if the story is mon- even if the story on the surface may seem mundane, so l- help me out here, Joe Carey. So, is there a way to kind of like even if the story is mundane, we're locked down or whatever we are, we're not playing gigs or whatever, you know, is as long as I could find a way to communicate that feeling, right? What do you guys think See, about that? That's not some- mundane because if you're feeling it, then there's other people out there feeling it as well. And what you want to do is emphasize that. Um, to a level that's going to get them interested because if they're feeling it, they're going to gravitate towards you is towards you and your message and what you're saying and want to, I don't want to say remove, but alleviate that um, issue as well. So you can take something mundane like that and make it not mundane, kind of like what we're doing with your, um, your coaching. (laughs) I mean, in, in terms of lockdown in music, there's some people who've really grasped the whole thing about um, doing online gigs. Now, as I said, like the idea of doing online gigs and being able to stream performances from your home, we've been doing that for years. That There was absolutely nothing new about that. But as I said before, it took a deadly virus for people to realise that, that that stuff's actually there. 
And once they started doing it, there's been some people who've really gone to town with it and probably ended up building more of a following than they had done previously. There's um, a lad in, um, in the UK called Tom Mouse Smith. And he is very young. He's like teenage. He's just, he's just getting done. He's just getting out of high school now. In fact, I think it, was, it would have been his last year. Um, but he's already been like touring with some big names. And um, he's also got his head screwed really on. His second generation, his dad had done a lot in the music business, which is probably why he's got his head screwed on. Um, but one of the things he did during this time, pretty much all the time, he said, right, I'm going to cover every song on these albums that inspired me. And I'm going to do this then. You can come and follow me do it. And every day he was right there on social media. Every day he was working on something. Every day he was doing something new. And it didn't get old. And it just did so much to show that this is somebody who's serious. And he had this humility about it as well. And then, of course, when it brought into his own stuff. And I've seen people who've done that as well, who started doing these regular shows now. And each time they'll say, look, one of the first things they'd say was, um, we're doing this now. This is still a weird situation. Um, I've done five of these now since the lockdown started, and it's still weird. But until I'm able to get out and see you, but it's always looking forward to that day when they're going to get back out on the road again properly. Um, and they've been using it to get that visibility. So, yeah, being locked down has um, just actually given a lot of people something really interesting to talk about that people can relate to. It's actually um, a perfect lead in because it's like, hey, we're locked down and hey, we're not perfect right now, but mm. we're trying to get perfect and we're looking to that end goal of being not perfect, but, you know, being um, who we are and being able to be out in public at the same time. And it like gives like a timeline and it's a perfect lead in for that. Yeah. And it's um, and also in a way, it's sort of like become a logical conclusion. Because if um, YouTube and TikTok were all about sort of taking media away from the sort of like bedazzled media conglomerates where um, they're off in, um, off in L.A. somewhere and way out of reach of everybody else, um, Twitter and Twitter humanised those people, actually made it so that you could actually talk to them. So that humanised them. YouTube made the person living next to you on the level of the guy over in L.A., um, TikTok did it even more, uh, probably van before that. So now this whole, this whole idea that um, as an artist, you can be reachable in your house with everything stripped away. Um, no dancing monkeys, no road crew, no okay. stages. Hold on, hold on. We're getting <laughs> off topic. How do I communicate that in email, though? How do I, how do I make that an email that people are excited and want to read and want to know what's going on? Here I am, here I am stuck at home just like you guys. We're all itching at the bit to get back out on the road again. And I'm really, I mean, it's like the Waltons waiting for the end of the depression. We're waiting (laughs) for the day when I'll be able to come out and see you guys on the road. But until then, I want you guys to come to my home um, through this um, webcast that I'm going to do. I want you to talk to me. I want to, uh, this, um, and actually turn that in. And actually turn what's like a forced intimate experience into an intimate experience. Dude, you killed me with the Waltons, man. I did yeah. not. First of all, I, I, I didn't know that you would even know what the Waltons were. So I'm <laughs> impressed. Um, <laughs> I don't think even Joe knows. I think Joe's too young to remember the Waltons. Um, no, I remember. You remember the Waltons? Okay. Um <laughs> But uh, so so I'm gonna so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna say okay. That's so that's one email. 
I'm locked out. I'm gonna do a concert. I'm gonna I'm gonna do so, something in my house. Like that's one. I hear one email. I'm taught. I want. We want to email people. We have to kind of like. I think we should do something more than just once. We should be trying to keep them engaged on some kind of regular mm-hmm. basis. Right. Right. Keep them having fun. Getting getting them excited. Enjoying themselves. Like what do we do? So let's talk about the structure of an email. Then, um, you know how a few weeks back I mentioned that when you're doing a Facebook ad into a funnel or where, whatever, whatever communication you're doing, you want a hook, you want a story, and then you want an offer. Okay. So the hook um, is your subject line in an email. So that subject line needs to be something that you spend some time on and make sure that, you know, it grabs attention because look, Carrie was talking about how he goes through his email. I go through mine. I look for the people I like or the companies I like. And then I look for whatever the subject is. And do I really want to read that? So, you know, the subject line and having a connection with the people sending it to me is important. So the subject line, you got to put some extra effort towards. And then from the subject line, that leads into the email body itself. Um, And in the email body, you don't want to just like list a bunch of stuff and, you know, just be really mundane about it. You want to try to tell a story, try to be interesting, feed it off the subject line. Maybe you're making an analogy, whatever you're doing. Um, And then at the bottom of that story, it's really good if you can swing it to make it an open-ended story. That way in the next email, so you guys have all binge series on Netflix or, you know, watched series on TVs and stuff like that. You know, they always seem to like go through the process. Um, and at the end of the last episode, there's always something exciting that you're like, oh, I got to know what happens next at the end of that episode. You want to try to build that into your emails if you can, because then people are going to be like, well, I got to see the next one and they're going to be watching for it. And then you give your offer. Okay. A lot of times your offer um, on that email could be one thing where your offer on a next email leading into the next portion of the story, maybe another product of yours, or it may be, it may not, you may say, okay, well, I'm doing an offer today. You know, I'm going to continue the story for two or three days and I'm going to give an offer then so that I can entertain people because you're not only looking for, you're looking for problems, you're looking for pain points and desires, but you got to remember like most of the products out there, there's like 20 different variations. Okay. Hundreds of variations of that product. And um, we don't always buy from just people who have a product that's going to help us. We also buy products from people we like or people who keep us entertained or people who have earned our, our trust in some way. Well, I mean, with, with, with what we're doing here, you know, none of us are selling, you know, uh, the cure for the COVID-19 or, you know, uh, 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 you know, a cream to put on your head to grow hair or, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, anti-aging pills or whatever, you know, you know, we're not selling anything that's really a quote unquote need in the sense that, you know, that, that, that type, that, that type of thing, we are satisfying a more of like passion, for folks, we are giving them an outlet for some something that's kind of that they, they that they're that they're passionate about. Um, so we have to kind of think that way as well. It's we're not going to have the same exact same kind of message as somebody who might be like 
co- giving you four emails on coaching you how to, uh, you know, build an online business. And then, it, you know, after on the fifth email, they say, well, you know, if you want to know more, blah, 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 here's my course, et cetera. We're doing something a little bit different than than that. Right. Well, you you're you're selling music, right? Music has a well. We're not definite. selling. I mean, we're selling stuff around the music. We're selling the right. the you know the products around the music. We're using the music as a way to kind of get people interested or get people excited or create the feeling. Um, but really, anything they would buy, like they don't need my T-shirt. It's like they're not going to like not have clothes if they don't buy a Ludini Rock and Roll Circus T-shirt or 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 whatever. They're not you know that's not going to be a thing. Uh, but this is something that they may want. Why? And we have to say, what is the why, and get to the why, and massage that, correct? Right. Isn't that what we're doing with these emails? Kind of, kind of like, you know, stroking that part of them that gets them interested in whatever our, you know, feeling is of our music. I, I know this is, all sounds very kind of like, like nebulous, like we're talking, You're, it's weird. Your music doesn't just have a feeling usually, though. It has a story in it. Like your music was based on something. It's saying it's telling a story, or it's, it's um, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've heard any music yet that that doesn't sell, tell some kind of story in it already. Okay. So take a portion or uh, the overall feeling of that music and write the emails based on you know what made you write it. What were you feeling at the time? What do you th- you know, what were the characters feeling if it was written around another character? Um, you know, what was the overall story of this, of the music itself? Um, it was there a specific stanza where you said a small little blurb that could be taken the wrong way. Um, you know, there's, there's ways you can pull different things out of that, that song and really emphasize what, what you're saying there to get people to have a better connection to the song. And then after that, you know, if they, if they do have a connection to you and a connection to the song, then just make sure your t-shirt or what, if it's a t-shirt, make sure that that t-shirt really expresses like uh, something that they're going to identify with, like, um, you know, kind of like, the whole rebel thing or something like that, that they're going to, if they read your entire email, they're going to be like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I like the guy's music. Um, you know, I really identify with this rebel feeling and I'm going to buy the shirt. Carrie thoughts. Yeah. Um, that's telling the story from songs. I mean, um, yeah, that comes in. I mean, part of it is just not being interesting around something and the stories you've got. And they can sort of be tales from the road. You said about like what it is that's why you wrote something. Be careful. Um, one of the things about songs is that you want you want to leave enough space for people to be able to make their own connections. And it's good to to acknowledge that, and at least try to make them, or, or, or at least try to make your audience feel like those connections are welcome. And sometimes, if you go to if you deep dive too much into what a song means to you personally, it can take that away from them. Um, I mean, the guy that taught me that was Thomas Dolby. He said that in one of his blog posts where someone had asked about one of his songs, and he said that um, I don't generally like to go deep on lyrics because, for that reason, it 
um, it means that if people have got their own connection with the song and I give them the official version, it means that their connection that they've that they felt that made them feel something is wrong. Um, but he did talk about this other one, which was quite cinematic, and a lot of his music cinematic anyway. And he produced his videos, and some of the songs were like um, he wrote he wrote as commentaries of videos that he wasn't able to make. And so there he just described what that would have looked like. So that's one way to do it. I mean, if you've, um, and we've talked before about the types of um, songwriters there are, some of them are ultra realistic. Um, what was the example I gave? I think it was um, from Stranger Things, wasn't it? Um, David Barry and. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Right, uh, uh, we can't remember. Uh, was it Charlie Daniels? But, it was some country. But, some, but, it, but it was like, but it was like the difference between like the man who fell to earth that's going to take you off to parts unknown, and then somebody who understands your day to day struggles. And both of these angles you need at different times. Well, I, I think that um, I think that that is a good caution, Carrie. Uh, I mean, I've heard Bob Dylan, who is one of my personal heroes, interviewed many times, and uh, invariably somebody asks, so what are your songs about? And his standard response is like, I don't know, what do they mean to you? What do you think they're about? And um, so there is, I think that there is that aspect of it. You, I, I don't, I think that you can kind of lead people a little bit. And I think that, you know, and, and it's where you feel comfortable with or what you want the fans to experience. Um, you, maybe you really want them to say, no, 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 this song, I wrote this song because of X, Y, and Z. This thing was going on. Or maybe because the song is very deeply personal. I was going through this terrible time in my life. Um, or I was going through this great time in my life. Or I had just moved or I had, uh, you know, just met, you know, uh, you know, a new love interest or I had just had my first kid or, or, or whatever. So, so, all right, I'm getting ideas now as we're talking about what we could talk about and you don't have to get super specific. Like you don't have to go like, well, this lyric in this line means blah, blah, blah. And then in this one is this and this, <laughs> you can leave it as general as you want or make it as specific as you want. And maybe on some, you, and maybe sometimes you mix it up. Maybe you've ha- maybe you do uh, tracks or you do uh, songs where you do put out a very specific because the song is kind of like pretty about pretty much about one thing can't really be about you know anything else and maybe you feel comfortable doing that Um, so I think Carrie that's a great caution there's just it just kind of depends on what is right for you and maybe you don't do the same thing each time I mean um, I remember in the 80s when music videos were just kind of like getting really popular and I do not remember which artist it was. I want to say it was Tom Petty but I don't, don't quote me on that. Um, somebody who went on to have big videos later on complained in the beginning that well you know when you do the video what happens is people no longer have the song in their head, the images and the thing in the real life experiences with it they have the video, they, the video gets stuck in their head and they think every time they think of the song the images from the video come out I don't, the, I don't know if it was Tom Petty or not but it was somebody who ironically went on to have big videos. So, you know, artists have always kind of struggled with that. You, There's an email right there you could talk about with your fans. Yeah. Right there. Uh, was, I want to explain the there. song to you, but I don't want to ruin it to you. I just want to say this about it or whatever. Yeah, sure. I mean, that video thing, another great story there was uh, mid-jour when he talked about Vienna, the Ultravox. He's saying um, it had already been, number. it never made number one for another reason I won't go into. But, um, it had been at the top of the charts at number two for a long time when they finally got around to make the video. So thinking, why are we even making a video? It's not going to get any, we're not going to sell any more copies. 
but the record company insisted, so they did. And then this, the, they sent this director along who sat down with them, and he said, oh, I can see it now. We're going to have little bridges and gondolas. I said, no, no, that's Venice. The song's Vienna, not Venice. <laughs> So just, I just imagine if there's an alternate universe somewhere where the the video for Vienna takes place in Venice. It could, it it, it could, because that would be that would have been the end of Vienna by Ultravox if that video had been made. Um. So what other kind? I mean, there are some other obvious types of emails. Like when you do have something specific going on, you know, you are like for me, I do podcasts. Okay, it's like a no-brainer. Send out an email saying uh, you're doing a podcast. Uh, or, you know, send out, I think another type of email you could do is just like requesting suggestions. So one of the emails maybe I might do is, hey, we're considering these three topics for our next podcast. Which ones do you like and why? Um, you know, uh those are kind of if you're if you're if you've got some uh, you know you're you're considering you know three different designs for a t-shirt for your new release show them show them show them to your fans and and, and get get opinions uh, on them um, you know so, so there's a different you know so there's a bunch of different um, you know th- there's other ways you can do it um, uh, the other thing you could talk about is breaking news in your industry and give your kind this is kind of what joe i think was kind of talking a little bit about earlier was uh you know look at what everybody else is talking about and kind of give it your own sort of spin or idea or whatever so look at something like if, if something's going on in your niche some and what unfortunately what's happening in my niche is a lot of people are passing away uh that's great for my niche isn't it <laughs> You know, I could, you know, we could do little tributes to whoever, uh, talk about the importance of whatever's music, things like that. Somebody, somebody in your niche is, uh, you know, is doing something, give your take on it. Somebody in your niche is doing something controversial or stepping outside the niche. You know, there's different things that you can like get into, uh, you know, just to kind of get, keep the conversation going, the things that fans could possibly be interested in. There's always holiday and seasonal stuff, right? There's always the Christmas season. The ha- in, in, in the U.S., Halloween is really big as well. Um, you know, th- those are always, you know, those are like built in. Hey, Joe, how about the market? How about the marketing calendar, right? The Brownie Locks Mount marketing calendar. I'll put that in the notes if you guys are interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a little I'm not cheesy. Sure that works for musicians. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, if it's International <laughs> Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, you know, and you need an if email. Your song's about a cookie, I guess. You know what I mean? So, you know, get my, you know, so maybe you send out today. If you if you request my album, I, I send you a free cookie. Um <laughs> So there's different, you know, things. If you uh, if you've been interviewed or you or you interview somebody, maybe you could talk about that. Um, hey, I want to ask you guys about this because I, I and this is where I I have a problem. Uh, like I'm kind of confused on, and you guys really need some input on this. If you're active on social media, how do you feel about kind of repeating? Or kind of emphasizing things that you talked about on social media. I mean, like, sometimes I feel like, ugh, I already talked about that. We already did, like, a Facebook post about that or whatever. Like, is it worthy of doing talking about that in email as well? Or what are your thoughts on that, guys? That always bought... Or, like, like say you do a blog. Like, mm-hmm. do you talk... Do you, like, how do you... What do you well, do? Do you talk about the, the blog dive. in the email? Or what do you yeah. do? That's so, normally, I use social media or Facebook 
to push people to the blog. So, you, you know, how I said hook story offer, um, your, the length of your content is based on the amount of depth that person would want to go into on that medium. So usually on, you know, Facebook or social media, you know, you're just pretty short. Their attention span isn't real long. So I would, I put shorter um, messages there and then push people like, Hey, if you want to hear more, go to my blog, you know, type situation. Or if you want to see the video, go to YouTube. Um, now if it's email, they do like to consume a little bit more, but once again, like on a blog, if I'm doing a 3000 or 5,000 word blog, I'm not going to put all 3000 or 5,000 words of that into an email. I'm going to make a condensed version and tell them to go to the blog if they want to read more. So it's based on what they expect to see in that medium. Okay, and so so, so should the email they be sh- interact the most. So should, yeah. the, should the email and who's be reading short- five thousand words in an email anyway? Yeah, you so you don't put five thousand yeah. words in an email. Uh, okay, yeah. all right, great. I'm so glad you mentioned that. How long should the emails be? Long, short? Mm. Well, what do you think? I mean, the silence is loud. <laughs> <laughs> you want to definitely be able to get your point across, but you don't want to. If you don't want to write a report or you know give a full a huge thing on yeah. an email you want to if that if that's what your email is about you want to push them to that next thing so just enough to get i think with most things it's just enough to get your point across and get people interested and get them to go to whatever the next so so is. would you so so so, so, so now because what i'm hearing about stories so maybe this is what you do say you've got a story and the whole story takes a thousand words to tell so maybe okay. you put a, maybe you put a couple hundred words in one email, a couple hundred words or so in another, right? Would you would you guys do consider doing it that way then? Just, so just break it into par- break break it into topic sentences. Break yeah, topic sentences. You know, break it down, and that keeps them tuning into the next email. So, I mean, now that we're talking about the length, I mean, so that's. I think I've made that mistake in the past is writing way too much. Um, I actually, and I think that people's attention, what do you guys think? You, I, I think it's with attention spans getting shorter all the time. I think people like to digest content in smaller bites. Is that, well, let's it, think about they're the, nodding. Let's think, yes. think again about the situation of when somebody's reading that email. Um, if it's at the computer, you might think you've got them a bit long, but even then they are looking through many emails. And if they stop to spend an hour reading your email, <laughs> that means they haven't checked their email, which is what they set down to do in the first <laughs> right. place. So they are not going to read your whole long email. The other place where they might read your email is on the phone or whatever around the place. and say, oh, that looks interesting. That's uh, that's I've got 30 seconds until my show starts or until the kettle boils or whatever. I'm going to read through that. Oh, wait, it's 5,000 words. Never mind. If it's, um, if it's a situation like that, they want something that they can be able to do quickly on the way to be doing something else. Email is not a medium where if they are going to read it fully, it'll be something that, they might print out or set aside time to do it. But even then, I think at that point, they'd rather just bookmark a web page or just have something that they can go and read properly then. So, so that's the email what I should do. probably lead to that. Yeah, I either star it or I go into the email, skim it real quick and click on the link to go to the next mm. thing, open it in a browser. And I have this browser that's open mm. all day. That's just like stuff that interested me that if I get my work done, I might go back and read yeah. or look at. 
I mean, just think of it. Think of it like a, a, a regular letter coming through the mail. You've, um, a letter comes in and it's a side. They're great. I can go ahead and read that letter now. Now that same letter comes and it's ten pages. Chances are, human nature is just going to look at that, go oh, and just put it aside to read later. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll get it to it later, which later never comes. That, that's why we prefer to like digest like little images or. Mm. Um, video more than we do to read because the effort that it takes to read are, you know, due to all the distractions and our amphibian brain, we don't want to sit there and read all that at that moment. Yeah. Um, Okay. So one final topic I want to touch on before we close for today, and that is how often, and I, and I, this is subjective. So how often should I send an email? To fans, we're talking once a month, once a week, every day, three times a day, like Dan Kennedy does. <laughs> how much? How much do you have to say? Good point. How relevant is it? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're just sending out email for the sake of being able to say you sent out email, and all your emails are crap, then um, you're sending too many emails. But if yeah. it's too, but if it's um, if it's too long, then people will probably forget about you anyway. So uh, if, it's, if they're like, if they're in the interest up, like, of staying in front of somebody, yeah. I you know it's good to have an email go out once a week or mm-hmm. once every you know try to be consistent, whatever that is. Um, but if it, you don't have, if your if your content isn't relevant, if it's not interesting. Um, it's much better to write something that's really relevant and really interesting once, you know, a week than it is to write four emails a, you know, a week and three of those be total crap. And then they miss the, the one that's, you know, would have really kept them there. Keep it relevant. Yeah. Be relevant. If it's not like really engaging, maybe don't send it. Um, our friend Carlos Castillo, he's a big fan mm-hmm. of email. Um, and, uh, you know, his he, he's always in his groups telling everybody, you know, email more than less. Um, that's and he's also very ruthless with email. I don't know if you were you ever on his email list, Carrie. Yeah, you're probably um, not and anymore. He, and, he, and he's got this thing where he, um, when people sign up to an email, one of his email lists, he will send you too much email on purpose for the first week. And he does it just to weed out people who are just going to delete him on site. Yeah, he doesn't want to waste his effort. Right, right. What he does, I mean, like, and then then every once in a while, you'll get like an email with some kind of response. And if you don't respond after one, two emails, you get removed. I no longer get his emails because I didn't. And he's because I've, I've talked to him. I've, I've, I've met him. I know him. And he's just like, he's like, it cost me money. He says, the more people I've got on my list, the more money mm-hmm. it costs me. So if you're not going to buy from me or engage with me in some way, then. Yeah, I, I take you off the list, and I, that makes room for somebody's. So that is that's a very like hardcore way of doing it. Joe's nodding though, um, in the affirmative. But there is value to that, right, Joe? There's a there is like that's not just being a dick. There is like value in in being kind of ruthless about it, right? I can see his viewpoint um, most definitely because it is costing him. If he gets ten thousand people on an email list, and he's got to pay active campaign and so forth. Um, their higher level and that's costing him money for people who aren't interacting with him. And if he, you know, like they say, if you can find 1000 true fans, look at everything you do and buy everything you put out, 
that's way more valuable than 10,000 people who are just ignoring you or only looking at what you're doing once in a while. His way seems a little too ruthless to me um, because I would just move them over to a different list or, you know, be a little bit heavier in the beginning and then phase it out. Um, but if it's working for him and he knows his audience and how it's working, then do it. I mean, yeah. it's saving you money. And then ultimately you want those true. It's not always all about money. You want those true fans who really are going to engage with you. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that, though, because, like, I think there is value in his approach to it, but it's not for everybody and it's not necessarily yeah. the right way. I had a, a mentor, Tom Hess, who used to say there is more than one right way to do anything. <laughs> so there isn't some exclusive like this is the only way, you know, uh, you'll never hear that here on this on this podcast. You know, we're you know, we want to explore because things change. Right, guys? Mm. Yeah, we're we're all about flexibility here. Yeah, you know, you gotta look. You don't you don't know everybody's situation is a little different. We're we're not organized. We're we're not organized enough not to be. <laughs> all right. So, uh, any final comments or thoughts on email before we uh, end today's podcast? I feel like I should hear. I should feel like I should play the yeah. Jeopardy theme. Da da da. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like. E- e- email, I reiterate, it hasn't changed in 15, 20 years. There's a reason for that. It's probably the only technology I can think of that has not changed in that time. Yeah. It's still there, guys. It must be yeah. doing something right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's still get, there. If you get someone on your email list, they raised their hand at some point and said that they're interested in what you're doing. Um, you want to try to keep them active. And, you know, the open rate is more likely than just blasting out a social media post or so forth, um, which Facebook controls that algorithm, you know? So once you get them on your email list, that's something you own. You own this list of people who have said, Hey, I like rock and roll music, or I like Lou Lombardi's version of blah. You know what I mean? So like, that's your ultimate goal is to have an email list because if they take away your Facebook, your YouTube, anything else, you know, your Facebook bot eventually um, has something you're not allowed to do in it anymore or any of that, then your email list is the backbone of your business. And when you're selling a business, they're going to ask you how many people are on your mailing list, how many people are in your email list. So that email list is very important. Good, great point, Joe. Absolutely. I couldn't say it better, said it better myself. Um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Don't neglect email. And just for shits and giggles, I did put the link to uh, brownielocks.com in the because sometimes if you're sometimes those, some of those uh, suggestions are just fun, silly. You don't have to do all of them, but every once in a while perusing them could spark your imagination for a really fun email that people might really enjoy. And you might be able to f- uh, find some way to tie in with what it is that you do. I'm not telling you to, you know, follow that and do everything on it, but it, it's 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 fun. Sometimes it's just fun just to like throw it out there, you know. Even on social media, do you know that today is National Tortoise Day, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, just to kind of like be fun I'll, and keep things cool. I'll be looking for my guitar shaped uh, brownie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, Joe, how do how do folks find you on that there internet? What how they, if they want to get hold of you? I prefer that you guys just get a hold of me through LulambardiRocks.com. Um, if you just you know, mention my name in the bot. I'll see it. 
And then that way, um, I know you guys are musicians and I can help you accordingly. All right. And Carrie, best way to find you? kjkmusic.co.uk. All right, guys. Uh, if you want to find out more information about uh, the, my podcast, my music, uh, all the different things, we're getting ready to launch uh, some uh, group coaching with guitar, vocal, and uh, music business coaching. Go to lulombardirocks.com and uh, all your questions, hopes, and dreams shall be satisfied there. Guys, have a great week. Get serious about email. Take care. We'll cut you on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus Musicians Mastermind. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.